The Pastor's Heart and Dominic Steele, and a special edition, a second extra edition today, and our topic, Singing in Church Without Masks. And as we do this Pastor's Heart program, we come to you from Sydney. We're primarily aiming at serving senior pastors, and we rejoice in increasingly that we've been able to serve colleagues around the world as we together embark in our mission on reaching the lost and building up the saints. But if you are listening or watching us today from other parts of the world, in the UK, in the US, uh, in Africa, Asia, or indeed New Zealand, uh, I just want to note the debate, the discussion we're having in this program uh, is one in which we're highly privileged to be able to engage in. Uh, in our state, we've gone 30 or so days uh, with only one case of community transmission of COVID, and uh, there's an excellent contact tracing regime in place. And so the dominant topic today in church staff room meetings around me is what to do this Sunday, given the health department directives available from yesterday and an interpretive letter from our Archbishop allowing us to sing, but should you sing with or without masks? Um, the government is saying masks are recommended for the congregation, whether or not the congregation is inside or outside. The Roman Catholic Archbishop of Sydney, Anthony Fisher, has written to Catholics saying, you can sing without masks. The Anglican Archbishop has been more circumspect. It's a detailed letter from him and worth reflecting on, but it does leave lots for local evangelical church leadership to apply and work out themselves. I have two senior ministers joining me to help me process these issues. Sandy Grant, uh, who is the senior minister of the cathedral in Wollongong, and Tom Melbourne from the Lower Blue Mountains. Sandy, can we start with you and your pastor's heart in this space? Yeah, g'day, Dominic. G'day, Tom. And uh, I guess my dominant thought at the moment is that uh, hashtag COVID can't cancel Christmas. And we certainly don't want that to be the case. We want our people who have been denied the joys of singing the praises of God to be able to celebrate in mind and heart, but also in lip, uh, in voice, uh, singing of the Saviour, God became man, Christ in the flesh. And we, we just love to be able to do that with uh, freedom, with confidence, with care for those around us. Uh, we, we still want to get the good news of Jesus out and our world needs hope so badly at the moment. Mm, mm. Tom? Yeah, thanks, Dominic, and good to see you again, Sandy. Uh, I, I've just loved the way our churches across the past six to, or it's actually closer to nine months now really, have uh, shown such a lot of love to one another and to the community in uh, doing our best to uh, obey uh, the government's rules and to seek to do things that will be uh, loving to the wider community. I think it's just been a real, uh, a real sign of our strength and our Christian maturity, which is just a wonderful thing. Um, so I'm really proud of that. And I'm also now really glad that we're getting to the stage, at least here in Australia, where we can start to think about lifting these restrictions safely and um, I know that my people are super glad to get back to singing. Uh, two weekends ago, we took church outside specifically so we could sing because that was allowed at that point. And we nearly got blown away by gale force winds. Uh, but that just shows just how much people want to be singing. So to be able to do it indoors and especially at Christmas time is just really special. Sandy, you've said that uh, the dominant uh, kind of thing you've got in your mind is how to love people best. But love doesn't just involve health care. Uh, that's right, Dominic. I think um, the breakthrough in my thinking yesterday was not just to have a narrow COVID safety 
lens in operation, which ought to be. Uh, but as that risk in our particular area has diminished, uh, we also need to have the wider health, safety, spiritual well-being, uh, physical, mental health well-being uh, paradigm into place. And I've actually observed that our staff, our volunteers and our members and attenders and guests, uh, we really suffer by not being able to sing, by having to turn people away if our capacity is full, by the extra workload that lower capacities uh, create for ushers, for COVID marshals, for staff, for the cleaning between services. And so the more extra things we've had to run, the higher the stress levels, uh, the less able we've been to focus and engage with God in the, the preaching, the reading of the word, the responding, the heavier our hearts have been as uh, two or three leading the singing can do it and everyone else is told, mm. let's all stand and uh, stand while the musicians lead us and our hearts sink. And although we try not to, so I think the uh, both the distancing question and the singing question now needs to be operating in that wider, I'm using a world's way of speaking, but that workplace health and safety, that well-being mindset. Um, COVID safety is not the only question of well-being and safety we should be asking at the moment. Mm. And your church itself, Sandy, um, uh, you've only been able to fit 60 people in your building. Is that, is that right? Um, when everybody is socially distanced in the appropriate ways? Correct. Um, our capacity normally is 250. On Christmas Eve, we normally squeeze up to 280 in. Uh, our COVID capacity under the four metre squared rule was 60, and we assessed five workers was a legitimate, not ex, you know, squeezing the, the grace. Uh, with the two metre squared rule, we could go, we just did the calculations today, we could go up to about 120 plus the five workers. So we're still half capacity, but that would enable us to be doing our regular ministries without as much pressure in terms of registrations, um, very strict um, sitting, uh, very strict ushering. Uh, we wouldn't have to run so many extra services. We've already locked in extra Christmas services, uh, which will probably still be necessary and we can't cancel them. But the, the rules we're told, as by the Archbishop, for example, there's not likely to be much more release of pressure. So we've got to think, we, we've got this until the vaccine is effectively rolling out, I suspect. There won't be much further relief. So we've got to have something that enables our pastoral colleagues, our precious volunteers, to do this sustainably and not to burn out and not to struggle with emotional, mental well-being. Um, and that's a, that's a real responsibility we have uh, beyond our desires to, to sing to God. Mm. I was just uh, reading uh, the, the, the note from the Archbishop uh, where he says, I am not expecting any further easing of restrictions before Christmas and indeed even into the new year. We should make 
our plans for 2021 on the basis that we'll be living with these current COVID-19 restrictions until a vaccine is distributed in Australia. Now that does mean, Tom, uh, that uh, really the decisions that our church leadership makes this weekend, it would be best to make the right decision this week that will last for four or five months uh, rather than kind of announce something this week, change it in two weeks' time, have to go back and forward. Is that how you're thinking? We're certainly wanting to make a decision that will uh, suit us into the new year, yeah. But I would say to other Ooh. churches that might not be ready to make a decision that uh, to, to take another week is no major issue. Um, we've been operating mm-hmm. like this for months now. So to take your time and get, make a wise decision that is that involves wide consultation and, and chatting with people is, is a, a good thing to do. Um, not every church is going to have the ability to do what, uh, say, my church can do. We're able to operate a main auditorium but then still have a complete separate building. And we're planning on keeping that space uh, as one where people will be more distant, um, where those who are more concerned for their health um, can be and still participate in an overflow sort of capacity. Um, Not everyone will have that. So there's going to be different challenges for churches to weigh up. But I think this is a good opportunity for us uh, as churches to to make a step. Uh, The government is clearly wanting us to do that. I've listened to each of the press conferences that the Premier has given and they're wanting society to get back more to normal. They're starting to recognise the pressures that people have been under for months now and the impact that's having on health and relationships and communities. Uh, they want for us to be able to do this. And uh, they're, they're saying that. Uh, and so we need to listen to that and go, OK, let's work within the rules that are being laid out to, to do that as much as possible. Well, Sandy, let me ask you what you're going to do in terms of the big picture as you apply the guidelines going forward. Dominic, uh We'll observe the two metre squared per person rule that's in the public health order and so is obligatory. The questions of discretion are around the 1.5 metre distancing guideline between people of different households and the advice surrounding singing. In regards to the 1.5 metres, our plan is that it's not possible on our regular functioning to continue to maintain that in most of our cathedral. I don't think I can sustain the workplace health and safety risk to staff and volunteers and continue to insist on that. I notice that in indoor cinemas, theatres and concert halls, they say you can have 75% capacity uh, of seats, up to 1,000. And that's impossible because uh, if if you had the 1.5 metre distancing, because there are no cinemas, there are no concert halls where the rows are 1.5 metres apart. Mm. every second row to be out of action. So they clearly can't mean that we have to um, uh, remove seats that way uh, from action. Mm. We will retain an area at the back of the cathedral allowing for about one-sixth of our new capacity to be available to people who want to sit with that social distance of the 1.5 metres and not to have anyone singing in that section. It's at the rear of the building so that anyone singing in front of them, it'll be going in the other direction. There's an aisle and there are fans and windows to allow ventilation in that section. And so I think that will be a good catering for safety for those people. Mm. Otherwise, in regards to singing, I'll be saying to the congregation that you're allowed to sing indoors, but that the advice we've been given is that you consider masking. And I will, I think, leave it at that except with the addition that I'll say it also assists to minimise risk if you're able to sing softly. Right. 
Okay. Um, and Tom, you sound like you're going to do it by having people uh, where they may or may not be wearing masks in the main auditorium and a masks only area in a second auditorium. Is that what you were saying? That's the flexibility we have here at, at my site. Um, we have over the last few weeks been making it really clear to people that masks uh, across the board are recommended by the health department. Uh, and that's true anytime anyone leaves the house, really. They're wanting people to wear masks, and that would include churches. And plenty of our people are, are taking that up. There are some who are not. Uh, that may change under singing. I've tried singing uh, now uh, with a mask on, and it's not particularly easy. Um, but I mean, Sandy's suggestion that you sing softly, I think, is one that will uh, still satisfy a lot of people's desire to lift up their voices um, but not be quite so uh, intrusive with a mask on your face. Um, so... Uh, we need to make it really clear to people what the health advice is, but also leave people the freedom to choose how they implement that. Um, but having that extra space for people who are very sensitive on this area, I think is a loving thing for us as Christians to provide for folk. So I'm just going to go through the, uh, the points here on this letter. The four metre square rule has been replaced by a two metre square rule, which may increase capacity for church attendance, including weddings and funerals. Um, I mean, for, for us, it, it, it means we've jumped from 185 to 370 as our maximum capacity. And I mean, that, that's just amazing for us. Um, uh, the two metre square rule helps us determine the maximum number of people who can be in the building at any one time. It does not determine the distance between people. And I think, Sandy, that's important to note that all along that 1.5 metres has actually just been a recommendation, not a mandated point. It is um, a recommendation, although it is in the model COVID safety plan for places of worship. There is a legal obligation on us to have a COVID safety plan, but it appears to me that if you have carefully thought through reasons, there may be uh, good reasons that you will depart from the, as it were, default recommendation. That is, you might adjudge that it's not realistically possible on a sustainable basis to provide for 1.5 metre distancing at all points in all of your buildings. Mm. And as I said, I, 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 my exhibit A is the advice, uh, in fact, the mandated um, rules for concert halls, places, uh, uh, theatres and so on. Mm. Uh, I think that line, wherever possible, is very important. Um, we, we have been attempting to do that all along. Uh, we have not been having morning teas if we can't spill outside. When the weather's bad, we don't have morning tea because everyone would need to be indoors and a bit more crowded. And uh, so we're, we're, we're taking that into account still. Uh, but uh, yeah, we've, we've been doing the uh, encouraging people to have morning tea or have dinner in a group of six. So you grab something and then you sit down. And, and if you're sitting with a group of six rather than mingling with a lot, uh, that means that Essentially, it's the same as if your group of six went to a cafe, you know, and so it's that same kind of culture rather than mingling with a hundred people. Yeah. 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 And I think that this exact discussion with all the different ideas and different implementations uh, means that there, there are different ways that we can do this. Let's keep on sharing ideas as churches. Um, one person's solution won't necessarily suit another. Uh, but let's work together on this because we want all of our churches to be able to get back to normal as soon as possible. Um, uh, that that includes even our morning congregations that might have older folk in them. I'm I'm conscious that there might need to be a delineation in some churches between their family service and their early morning more elderly service. Um, I know that for my church, 
most people at the early morning service are still wearing masks. Uh, the numbers mean that it's always been more feasible to run that service with distancing. Um, but they're the kind of factors that we just need to look into. But it's not, it's not too difficult to do this. Um, please don't put mm. this in the too hard basket and think I can't keep on running church. Um, this and, is achievable. And you want to push for this. I mean, if we just fill in a few of these things, then actually we can make it work much, much better and in time for Christmas carols and all that kind of thing. Up to 50 people may sing unmasked in a choir in church. Singers should face forwards, not towards each other, maintaining physical distancing of 1.5 metres from other singers and keep five metres distance from the congregation. Sandy, did you consider marking the, I don't know, the front five rows as the choir or something like that? Uh, while we were limited to a choir of five, we had a couple of song leaders out the front and uh, the second pew back, because that was how far five metres took us, that was the singing pew. So I said to people, get to church early if you want to be in the singing pew and join the choir of five with the two song leaders. Mm -hmm. uh, two at one end of the pew and one at the other. Um, but yeah, look, it's had a huge impact. Our, we, we have a annual pickup choir for our classic carols in the cathedral on Christmas Eve. It is always jam-packed full. It's a sort of a bit of a Wollongong thing that people know of. This mm. year we've had to have the choir reduced down to just 12 people, um, you know, three or four in each of the four-part harmony. And they've had to rehearse separately and we've tried to do that, you know, video recording of the multiple screens. Mm. And uh, we now think we can do sort of a... a, a we, we can't actually even realistically fit a choir of 12 or 16 on the platform uh, space we've got. So we'll probably be going with about six to eight so it's quite a small choir, but we're doing our best to keep up the musical joy and the musical standard that um, is appreciated. Mm. Now, singing will also be permitted by the congregation audience. It's still recommended that masks be worn by those over the age of 12, whether it's indoors or outdoors. Um, now, it, it sounds, Sandy, as you, I mean, are you going to wear a mask this Sunday? Well, it's a difficult question. For those who are leading out the front, there's already an implicit freedom not to be masked because it's essential. Just like when the Premier comes to the microphone to speak to her news conference, she doesn't wear a mask. It's essential for those up the front, either leading, singing, praying, reading the Bible, that they be unmasked. You can't communicate effectively without it. The question is, when I'm not having a duty up front, what will I do? And I'm still thinking about that, Dominic. I, I have to tell you, my heart says I don't want to wear the mask. I don't believe uh, on the evidence, the consistent evidence before us, that there is uh, any serious threat of COVID transmission within the New South Wales community at present. Uh, I notice that in the New South Wales hospitals, the requirements to wear masks in most of the wards has been dropped and it's only generally in emergency and in ICU and uh, perhaps in a respiratory ward. Uh, on the other hand, I'm conscious that uh, a minister, his example sitting in the pew is significant. And so I have to think, will my failure to wear a mask make it more awkward or embarrassing for congregation members who do still feel vulnerable? Um, and it might, it, it inhibit them from putting on a mask. So that's a difficult one, Dominic. I guess as a Christian, I mustn't just do what I feel I want to do in my heart. This is one where I probably won't follow my heart. 
Well, that's interesting. And it, I'm just thinking aloud. It might be that you'd make a different decision based on the different demographic if you're thinking other person-centredly. I mean, whether that's a, um, a geographic demographic or a racial de- demographic or, a, um, or a, an age demographic. Uh, I, I guess so. Um, once the requirement to mask inside or the strong urging to mask inside uh, was dropped, uh, it's not commonly done in our congregations and that's across the age groups there mm-hmm. are individuals who do and it seems to me that the individuals who really want to are happy to continue to do it um, so I'm not I, I am torn mm. um, I mean as I as I think about our church and reflect on this weekend in our church uh, it was interesting to hear you say you were planning to mark a sixth of the congregation as your masks only area um not masks uh, only distancing and no singing whether or not dist- the person ah. wears mask in that section is up to them right whereas distancing no singing section distance and no singing right that's interesting because i had thought what the way we would go is we'd invite everybody i mean obviously people cannot sing if they don't want to Every, everyone can keep their mouths closed but um i got uh, one of our team and this is the draft version um to come up with this, this is a mask-only seat. Um, And so for approximately a sixth of the auditorium in the back left corner, we would put um, these, these we'll laminate them before um, Sunday, but just to say this, so that uh, if you're in this seat, you ought to be wearing a mask when you're singing. And, but we have the ability to, we we can do the 1.5 metres everywhere, you know, Um, we can do the two metre square everywhere. Um, I think we're going to revise that slightly to work out a little bit more. F- the second draft of this will be slightly friendlier. Do you know, in, it'll a mask only for singing seat or something like that. Yeah, Dominic, I just want to underline what Thomas said so um, clearly that in in taking advantage of the freedoms that uh, recommendations imply as opposed to rules. I think we must keep underlining that each pastor and his leadership team, whether it's the deacons or the elders or the parish council or the wardens, they will know their local circumstances the best. And our encouragement to take advantage of the loosening of restrictions shouldn't be seen as a mandating that everyone does what we do. Mm. Congregations that choose not to sing yet or to only sing with masks, or to retain the distancing and therefore sacrifice capacity. I respect those pastors, and uh, we oughtn't to create a pressure, and we should be mindful of the example that we set and the pressures it can create. Mm-hmm. Um, every setting's different. Some have air conditioners that can transfer the air frequently. Others have fixed windows, and ventilation is hard. Um, there are so many variables. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Tom, last word from you. I'm really looking forward to uh, seeing the different solutions churches come up with. Uh, let's uh, let's think creatively. Our people want to sing. Our people want to be together. Uh, they don't want to be spread out across lounge rooms or across buildings. They'd rather be together. Um, I think we can do that in a safe way, and I think the government wants us to do that in a safe way. Let's keep on recording contact details. That's mandated. Let's keep on sanitizing. That's mandated. All these things that are mandated, let's make sure we do them and do them well. But where freedom's been permitted, I think we have every reason to, uh, to do it for the sake of our people um, and their worship of Jesus. Great. Sandy? 
Oh, just an amen from me, a loud amen. <laughs> Tom Melbourne, Sandy Grant, thanks very much for talking to us. Tom Melbourne, of course, uh, from the Lower Blue Mountains uh, in, to the west of Sydney, and Sandy Grant, the Senior Minister of St Michael's Anglican Cathedral uh, in Wollongong. You've been with us on this special extra edition of The Pastor's Heart, and we'll look forward to your company next Tuesday afternoon. Hey, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, we would love it if you could hop over to the Apple Podcasts app and give us a rating and review. That helps us in the rankings and lets other people discover the pastor's heart. And again, if you are able to help us out by being a financial partner, go to our Patreon link, patreon.com slash the pastor's heart.